Summer is coming. Time to turn off the TV and turn on a clever little app called Audible. With Audible, you can listen to the stories you love while doing the things you love outside. You know, that place you're supposed to be in the summertime. For just $14.95 a month, you get a credit good for any audiobook. If you don't like it, exchange it anytime or roll your credits over to the next month if you don't use them. So get up and get outside with Audible. Start a 30-day trial and your first audiobook is free at audible.com. You're now experiencing the AJ Nashville podcast. Real people, real problems, real success stories. Hey guys, Alex here, AJNashville.com. Got my friend, Medi, right? Is that correct? Medi? Medi. I, I almost said it wrong. Sorry. <laughs> It's okay. You're good. That's, I've heard the worst. That's fine. <laughs> I got my friend Medi on here, uh, author, fellow mortgage branch manager for Open Mortgage out in Dallas-Fort Worth area. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Okay, fantastic. fantastic. Uh, now, you are the author of a book called Foreigner in My Own World. Um, I do want to take a quick second here and thank you for something. So here a little while back, I posted an event that we had coming up that supported veterans uh, Weenies with Warriors, which we unfortunately had to reschedule, and asked for my friends who were authors to, hey, could you donate a book um, in order to give for free to these veterans? And without a question, you jumped up and you donated a number of books. You signed each one of them and you wrote, thank you for your service in there. I want to take a second and not only acknowledge that, but thank you for doing that. That, that means a lot. And I know, once again, the, the event's been rescheduled, but I know that they will greatly appreciate that. Um, when they get a chance to get their hands on those books. So thank you for that. Oh, man, you're very welcome. And uh, honestly, I've been a big fan of you, Alex, before even we become friends. Mm -hmm. uh, you've always been a stand-up guy that not only knows uh, what to talk about when it comes to mortgages and uh, running teams. Obviously, you and I both know that, unfortunately, we have a lot of LOs in this business that shouldn't be in this business. Right. Uh but mainly, I'm a big fan of you uh, with what you're doing for veterans, always trying to give uh, good tips and obviously helping them, especially on the, on the, the mortgages. But, uh, yeah, you've been doing a lot for the vets, and thank you so much as well. Awesome. Thank you. That, that means a ton, and I appreciate that, and I appreciate your kind words. You know, and, and know that if there's anything ever that you ever do need, you know, from from any standpoint or advice or anything like that, that I'm always here to help support you. So now I've seen you do some really awesome things here. So I'm so happy to have you on the show today. Um, I want to dive right into that book yours. Now, you know, and I know, cause we spoke earlier that I had an incident where somebody hacked in my phone and I was, it, the phone was automatically calling the police department, doing all this crazy stuff. And, and I had to reschedule our call due to the fact that I had to contact the police and have them deal with it. Um, they couldn't do anything, but it, unfortunately we had to move it. Well, in moving so, things got a little hectic, and I forgot your book that I read through, and I highlighted some stuff. So I'm going to dive into it, but I need you to bring out some points that you know as well. But one of the ones I want to talk about, reading through your book, amazing, amazing story for one. For two, there's Thank something you. that you – Title One, I believe, or I'm sorry, uh, Chapter One said something about entitlement. Um, and in there – you said, you know, in other countries, people would beg to have a job like they do at McDonald's. Is that correct? 
Yep, absolutely. So absolutely. So being that you're you're initially from Morocco, is that is that right? Yes. Okay. And so from being from Morocco, which is a, a country where I noticed you had said there's not many highways through there, used to take you a significant mm-hmm. amount of time to get the, to the family property, things like that. Um, are opportunities not as vast in that area as, as they are here in America? Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, and what I meant uh, on, that, uh, on that chapter, and that's probably one of the, one of the deep chapters I went into, is uh, is we take a lot for granted here as as U.S. Uh, citizens, as Americans, mm-hmm. and we see that a lot more with the second and third generations. Right. And we sometimes, unfortunately, we don't step back and see, you know, like either where we came from or where our parents came came from or our great grandparents came from. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just to touch back on your point. Uh, Something that didn't make any sense is when I moved to the U.S., I started just hearing teenagers or even people in their 20s talking about having those odd jobs, what we call odd jobs, like working at McDonald's, flipping burgers, right. and then basically just uh, just minimizing that job itself and the pay that comes with that and start talking about like, well, I'm not making enough money. I'm making only $6 an hour, $7 an hour. But that's when I turn it into a weekly pay, you know, like that can be $200, $300 a week. Right. Well, in countries like Morocco and most of countries around the world, the minimum wage is less than $200 a month. Wow. And we're talking about possibly somebody in their 40s or in their 50s with family, married with kids. And that couple hundred dollars that he's making in a month had to to work for him and for his family and make sure that everybody is fed, everybody is, you know, n- no, none of them is hungry, things like that. So, like, for example, me personally, my dad worked for the same place for 43 years, and it's not because he did not want to look for better opportunities or to move up or to be a business owner, but the opportunities are so, so, so limited that it, it bothered my mind when I came to the U.S. and then I saw people, for example, that are on food stamp or that are, and by all means, I am not minimizing those people. I'm not criticizing them. All I'm saying is there are so many opportunities out there in the U.S., right. but most people are in their, their cocoons where they, they, they're, they're just comfortable with what they have and they have no idea how their average thing that they see on a daily basis may be a luxury to many, many people uh, around the world. Just this is a fact, and the Tony Robbins talk about it all the time. This is a fact. Two-thirds of the, two-third of the population of the world lives off of less than $2 a day. Wow. Just think about that. Two dollars a day. So yeah, so that, that's actually what I was touching on that uh, on that chapter. So so yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I I do resent those people, and uh, yeah, there's absolutely mm-hmm. no reason for us to have that entitlement mentality in the U.S. If you have health, if you can work, there is absolutely no reason for you not to. There are opportunities left and right. Right, right. Now Morocco, and I could be mistaken by saying this, but I I understand Morocco is a beautiful, beautiful country. It's it's located in North Africa, correct? You are correct. Okay. Yes, yeah, sir. It's really, really nice. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, most. Uh, it's definitely known as a touristic area. Mm-hmm. So, if 
anybody wants to go to a place where there are beautiful beaches, there is a lot of history, and it's pretty close to Spain, so you can even uh, visit Spain and then go spend a couple of days in, in Morocco. It's only about 30 minutes ferry from Spain, so it's wow. really, really nice country, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I know in that book you had mentioned uh, that there was a gentleman that your father had become friends with that would come out uh, during the summer months and spend time in a is it a, a condo or a townhome that was on the ocean front? Is that correct? Yes. And and yes. he would spend some time there, uh, but j- throughout the year he asked that your father, um, as a favor to him, obviously check on on the place and and take his vehicle his his Mercedes around to make sure that everything stayed lubed up and running fine, and basically told him. Hey, treat this as it was it was your own. Uh, drive it as you please. And I believe in the book you had made mention to the fact that uh, you had at one time questioned your father because it, it was a nice luxury car. And you said, hey, Dad, why don't we just drive this all the time? And your dad had a quote that just sticks out of my mind like crazy. And I'm going to mess it up because obviously it wasn't said directly to me and it was something I recently just got a chance to read. But it was something to the fact that when you wear another man's clothes, you're still naked underneath. And my interpretation of that is just because you have access to something, it's not yours. So it not being yours means that you still have nothing as it pertains to that. So am I misinterpreting that? Tell me what your interpretation of that was, because that was a profound point in that book. Man, yeah, absolutely. Um, that, that's something that I definitely try to teach my kids as well. It is huge. So as you said, uh, my dad was a friend with a wealthy man from the Middle East. So they had some uh, common friends, and uh, and you know, like they hit it off. Uh, they they just got to, uh, they they got to a point where he trusted my dad, and he he had a very very nice condo right on the beach. Right. And uh, and they would come only once a year in the summertime, and basically. You know, like he would, he would just give him the keys and tell him, "Hey, can you please just check on my condo?" And that, uh, you know, once a week or once every couple of weeks. Uh, also, the car. Just he, my dad would just basically would just take it uh, uh, around the neighborhood to make sure that uh, that it is uh, it is working and it's not just sitting in the garage doing nothing and rusty. And uh, and my my dad's friend used to tell him all the time, "Hey." Everything that I leave behind is yours. You can use it as you please. I just need it a month out of the 12 months. All the, the other 11 months, it's yours. You can use it however you want to. Right. And uh, sure enough, um, as you mentioned, uh, obviously me being six, seven, eight, nine years old, you know, like, of course, we want, we want cool things. We want to show off. We want to show other people but hey, my dad is driving a Mercedes. And obviously, you know, like you don't mention to them, but it's not his. Right, right. Uh, and then my dad was absolutely against that. He's like, no, no, that's not ours. We're not just going to show off with something that is not ours. If you want to you have your thing, you gotta have, you got to go work for it and then earn it. And, yes. and just like you mentioned, uh, I'm trying actually to find it here. The, the, to quote my dad exactly what he said is whomever is clothed with others' clothes is as he is naked. And you're absolutely right. This is a this is a profound quote. But if you really think about it, how many people in the world, not just in the US but in the world, try to live in the clothes of somebody else that is not? Right. You and I put credit 
on people all the time. And and they try to qualify for for a mortgage. And fortunately, time to time, we have to tell them that they cannot afford a $1,200 mortgage payment. And the reason why is because they do have two uh, two cars that are seven, eight, nine hundred dollars a month, and uh, and uh, so so to me that's really really no different than than that example that my that I was giving in that book, right. where sometimes we can't afford something, but we try to to keep up with the Joneses and and show a different picture than we really are for absolutely no reason. So. I'm grateful to my dad and all the lessons that he taught me, but that was definitely one of the things that that was a huge and made a huge impact on my life for sure. Right, and and that's something you know. Your dad hit the the nail on the head. There's no question about that. He was able to teach you a lesson that it seems to me that you've carried through the years. And just like you said, you know, I've I've done uh, loans for people. You know, they have a half million, three quarters of a million dollar home. And the appraisal gets done, and you see that their mattress is on the floor. You know, everything that's visible to the average person's eyes look great. The Mercedes in the driveway, the nice dining room, living room, big leather sofa and everything. But then their mattress and all their belongings are on the floor in the bedroom where people typically don't go. Um, And we see that quite a bit in our industry, unfortunately. Now, your dad did something that's amazing to me because – we talked about the fact that, you know, there's not a lot of opportunity in Morocco as far as high-paying jobs, and, and he had been at the same job for a very long time. But one of the things he taught you at a young age was you can't lose money in real estate. You may be in a down market, but essentially it's not going to bust like a, a stock or a bond would, um, and eventually it's going to return and it's going to come upwards. Did any of that have any influence on the career that you're in now as a branch manager for a mortgage, uh, mortgage company? Oh, yeah, absolutely, for sure. I'm personally an investor in real estate, and without the lessons that I've learned from my dad, there is absolutely no way I would have, I would have been the guy taking risk and, and owning a, a rental property. Um, and I live by that, and, and when I explain to my clients, for example, mm-hmm. that that's the way they should go when it comes to investment, or, for example, when I when you see somebody that is investing a lot of money in in businesses or in something that have very very high risk you educate them on on how safe the the real estate market is right no matter no matter how unsafe some people may feel because like obviously most people are going to talk about the 2008 and 9 and people are going to talk about like well yeah but the the houses may go down or but if you invest properly if you invest with the right risk taking then you will be fine if you put in 20 25% down if if that extra cash flow that you're getting is just extra money that you're making then you don't have to sell when the market is bad so you can keep it and wait for the trend to go back up you and I both know that that eventually it would go back up and uh, if you're not in a situation where you kept doing cash out refinances like unfortunately what happened in California in in the 2007 2008 mm-hmm. and people start getting upside down on their house where now their mortgage becomes a lot more than what their rent is and then having to lose many many houses they really more I can't stress this out enough 
reinstate is really, really safe bet. And, and I tell people that if it wasn't, I wouldn't be investing in it. So, so definitely. And, and uh, a huge thanks to my, to, to my parents that showed us the importance right. of having an asset that, that, uh, that appreciates and not just assets that depreciate with the time. Right, exactly. And, and I noticed that your mom played a large role as well. Uh, she always preached to the kids that she wanted you guys to be better than they were, which it sounds to me that in your family, better doesn't necessarily mean financially better. I think the, the message I gathered is better means uh, just all around making making wise decisions and doing things that are going to create growth and security for your family. It sounds like they knew what direction they wanted you to go. Um. So now you moved to the U.S. Your your brother had already lived in the U.S., is that correct? Yes. Okay. Yes, my brother moved to the U.S. in 1991. Uh-huh. And uh, I moved in 2001 after a five-year college term in Canada. Okay. I had to spend one extra year to make sure that uh, all the clubs and the bars are good. Right. Uh, <laughs> so I was on a five-year program instead of a four-year program. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But then I uh, then yeah once I graduated from college, which I think that we can have another podcast just about the, college. <laughs> the unimportance of college. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but definitely a uh, story for a different day. Uh, then yeah, I moved to the U.S. here in uh, in May of 2001, mm-hmm. just a couple of months before before September 11. Right. Right. Now, so you moved here. And I know I read in your book that that uh, you, when you got on the plane, you knew it was the last time you were ever coming back to where you were at that point. I what I gathered, I thought you were still in Canada at that time. But were you back home in Morocco, or were you in in uh, Canada when you came to the U.S.? You know, I came straight from Canada to the U.S. in two thousand and one. Okay. So yeah, I I do remember it was May fifteenth, two thousand and one. And uh, I had never seen snow in my life till I moved to Canada when I was 18. Right. So it was a big, big day for me the day I was moving to the U.S. And I literally remember these, you know, like the, me telling myself, oh, my God, this is awesome. I will never see snow ever in my life because I was moving to San Diego, a place where I wanted to, to be. Right. Really nice, really cool place. And uh, funny enough, another story that I talked to. Uh, about in my book uh-huh. uh, that mom used to tell me always, uh, and I'm sure that everybody's parents told them at some point, never say never. Right. And sure enough, five months later, after I was working with the company, I think it was like uh, October, if I if I remember correctly, I was moving back to snow again. I was moving <laughs> back to uh, Philadelphia this time. Wow. Um, and. Uh, yeah, and uh, hello again, Snow. But but just just to go back to me moving from Canada to the U.S. Canada was an unbelievable place. I loved my time in Montreal. Right. There are just like few things that 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 were a little bit difficult for me. One of them is obviously the weather. It's it's unbelievably cold. Mm-hmm. When it is minus thirty five, minus thirty eight, minus thirty nine, you know, I mean, it's it can get pretty cold. Um, but also. Uh, it's, you know, like there's socialism and there's socialism. Right. And Canada is, to me, I was like, I don't think it's going to work out for me. Uh, it One of the things that didn't make any sense to me is you are a businessman mm-hmm. and 
if you run the numbers, honestly, you will be very tempted into sitting at home and doing nothing because you may just make a little more money right. if you are sitting at home and doing nothing. Wow. If you are married and have a lot of kids, you may end up making a little bit more money than using, actually, believe it or not, your degree mm-hmm. and then work for a company. So I was like, no, that's not going to be good enough for me. And the fact that I had my brother here in the U.S. definitely opened the door. And I, I was uh, blessed that I used to come to see him a lot. And I, I always knew that this is where I will end up being. And, uh, and yeah, 2001 was, uh, was a great year for me when I decided to move to the U.S. Right, right. No, and, and and you always hear about that. You hear people talk about, oh, well, Canada has this, Canada has that. But I truly believe, just like you said, you know, the socialism creates some laziness, so to speak. Um, just like they talked about not too long ago on TV, I saw where they were saying, hey, the average American that's on welfare made like 36000 a year with benefits and everything else, whereas the average American made 32000 Um I think the difference here, and I think – as a, especially as a person like yourself that's come from uh, Morocco and then moved to Canada. So you've experienced the different levels of uh, the way society and everything works. And then you move to the U.S. and you see, from what I gather from you, you see that there's, there's no ceiling, that you can continue to grow as much as you want to as long as you get up and you do the work. And like you said in one of your chapters, uh, wake up before everyone else and get the work done. I think that's something that you said that you, you saw uh, Gary V say several, several years after you'd already been practicing it when you first got into the industry. Um, yeah. and, and I assume because just like most successful people, that's something we see that we all continue to do. We continue to get up, get up early so you're not disturbed. You, you get to the office and you do things before the average population wakes up because that is valuable, valuable time to get the work done. And I think that's what's attributed to – I know my success. What about yours? Is that something that's been helpful to you? Oh, yeah, man. Uh, one of the things that uh, – I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, Tony Robbins and one of the mm-hmm. quotes that are profound by him that I, I quote time to time on my post on Facebook says uh, – goes like this. Uh, your decisions and not your conditions um, – Dictate your. Um, Let me just make sure that I don't go to him because I have it here. That's fine. It is your decisions and not your conditions that dictate your. Uh, just make sure. Your destiny, yeah. That dictates your destiny. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's easy for all of us to start coming up with reasons why we cannot be successful. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, Alex, if we just spend just as much time trying to explain to people why we're not successful and just spend and invest that same time and energy into becoming successful, we will all become successful. Absolutely. So let me piss off some people right now. Let me just piss off some people right now if if, if it's okay with you. Absolutely. We do it all the time. Uh, okay, cool. Awesome. If you were born in this country and you're not successful and you are healthy, there is you should be pissed at yourself. You should be pissed off. Yes. There's no reason. There is absolutely no reason. I cannot relate to people that have been here for 
20 years, 25 years, 30 years, and they still where they were 20 years, 25 years ago. There are so many things, so many positive things that you can do that will impact not just yourself, Mm -hmm. but probably the next two or three generations to come. And you're already in a much better situation than 90% of the population of the world. Yes, absolutely. I don't think, I really, really don't think that it is uh, a fluke that if you take a look at the billionaires, and obviously you, you look at that list all the time from Forbes, Right. I don't think that it is a fluke that there are a lot of corners that come from other countries that live in the U.S. because it's much easier to become a millionaire and a billionaire in the U.S. than anywhere else in the world mm-hmm. and become that, you know, like that same thing. And I'm not saying this because I'm an immigrant. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is we all have opportunities here, regardless of where we come, where we come from. Right. And the reason why is because this country is providing those opportunities, and it is up to us to go and get them. When you have so, the freedom. So, yeah, absolutely. I, we do, absolutely, we do have the freedom. Like, you can do whatever the hell you want. Like, I have an office many, many times. I come here before anybody leaves their house. Like, sometimes I come to, to my office in the... And it's dark, and then I leave, and it's dark. Nobody forced me to do that. Right. I am free to do it, but yeah, I I get pissed when other people feel that I got lucky to to enjoy success, mm-hmm. while they're not willing to put in the work that got me where I'm at. Because we all have the same 24 hours in a day, Amen. but you choose how to use it. Yep, absolutely, and that's one of the biggest things. And I'm glad you said exactly what you just said. At the end of the day, we all have the same 24 hours. Whether you spend that 24 hours sitting there twiddling your thumbs, watching the clock, not doing the work you're supposed to do, getting on the internet, watching Facebook, uh, getting on Instagram, whatever it is, that is a decision that is made. Here's the one thing I know. When I broke both my legs back in 2013 and was bound to a wheelchair for four months, I had a decision to make. And my decision was whether or not I was going to make enough money to be able to continue to survive. So I did what people do. I went and I designed a T-shirt I could sell for my first little bank of money so I can pre-order some and sell them with no overhead. That's an opportunity that literally anybody that is in a position where they're trying to figure out what to do, it's not hard. I've started businesses in a matter of minutes. You know, you get someone like yourself that came to a new country with a work ethic that you had, with the lessons that you've been taught, knowing what it is you need to do to be successful – but most of all, applying that. And that's why you have reached the level of success that you've reached. I mean, the, it's no secret recipe. There's nothing that, you know, hey, if you do this, do this, and jump two times, you'll be rich. It's called hard work. And most people aren't used to or wanting to put in the work it takes in order to be successful. And regardless, you know, here's the thing, and, and Mitty, I, I, I see this. You see a lot of wealthy and successful immigrants and here immigrants sorry uh and and here's the reason why i think that i think the reason is is because they see the opportunity they don't take it for granted it's something that they know that the hard work has to come and so they were raised in a household where hard work was just part of your normal life you didn't complain about having to go out and do the chores and move rocks and clean up dog poop and and clean the house and all that stuff you just did it and the difference is is when they come here 
They're just doing it. They're doing the same thing that they were doing wherever they may have been from. They're applying the work, and they're getting the damn job done. And unfortunately, I think that is in an American society, a lot of people lose focus of that. And it's easier to say, I need to make 15 bucks an hour at McDonald's or else I'm not going to work. But you can't get a fucking sandwich right. Or I need to make $15 an hour or else I'm not delivering pizzas. But you're still three hours late when the pizza comes and it's messed up. You know, those are all things I see. And, and we're running out of time a little bit here. But I, I want to dive back into the fact that, dude, you've had it rough. So, you know, a, a nightmare for anybody is being audited by the IRS. And one thing that I always hear people saying it's, it's ignorant is, well, foreign people don't have to pay taxes. So that's why they're so, so wealthy. You're the exact opposite of that. You've been, what, four <laughs> times in five years the IRS came banging at your door? I mean, dude. Yep. That, that doesn't sound like a, a freebie. You know, you were obviously making good money. You were doing what you had to do, but you got audited left and right. So the myth that foreign people or immigrants don't have to pay taxes, well, there's proof in the pudding that that's bullshit. So – yeah, absolutely. I wish it was true. I really do. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's not. <laughs> right, right, exactly, exactly. So I wish it was. And 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 this is one of the things that Alex you said that that is unbelievable to me. Also, when you know, like I I used to do a door to door sales, and I used to I used to work six days a week. And you know what? Sometimes uh-huh. because I wasn't making a whole lot of money. When 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 I don't have enough money, then I go and keep doing door-to-door sales even on Sunday. Yeah. And a lot of times people tell me, well, you know, like, yeah, I, I really want to work. I really want to do things. And I'm like, okay, no problem. I was managing a, a little uh, a little office. And I was like, no problem. Meet me at the office on Saturday. And then I'm happy to give you some merchandise. And then you and he will go out door-to-door. And then I'll teach you and then I'll help you and make sure to put some money in your pocket that day. Mm-hmm. Well, no, hold on. I can't do it this Saturday because I have actually, I promised my my my, my girlfriend to take her on a date. Right. Okay, then don't bitch that you don't have money because you have decisions to make. Exactly. When somebody that is, that is you know, like a big shot, has a degree, goes and look for a job, and he's unemployed for 9, 10, 11 months, mm-hmm. that to me, I mean, like, it's crazy because... You're telling me that you're worth eighty thousand dollars, and you have this offer that is giving you seventy thousand, but you choose not to take it because right. you're still waiting on the eighty thousand dollar offer. So what you're telling me is making zero dollars is better than seventy grand because yes. you think you're worth eighty grand. Right. That doesn't make any sense to me. That is just like unbelievable. You and I, Alex, mm-hmm. if tomorrow everybody quit on our teams, right. everybody, right. and then we had to start from scratch. You and I will make shit happen. We yeah. will close deals. We will work whatever we have to do. We'll do whatever we have to do to put uh, food on our kids' table. Absolutely. And if the mortgage business goes, goes, you know, poof tomorrow and there's no mortgage business, you and I will go out. We will drive an Uber if we have to. Yep. We will work at McDonald's if we have to. Of course, we prefer not to have to go that because we, we, we make pretty good uh, – living doing what we do but right. at the end of the day we will do whatever it takes to make sure that we earn money exactly so exactly. I, I thought i thought that you mentioned you know like uh that and i i really 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 just wanted to 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 give my two cents on that and thank you so much for the opportunity yeah no no, no absolutely and that's what this is about you know the big thing is like you said 
if the mortgage industry went out of business tomorrow and there was no more mortgages, the robots took over and, and we weren't doing it anymore, you and I both know that we have a set of skills that most people either they have them and don't use them or they don't have them. And that's being able to sell. And, and so if I have to go, as long as I'm passionate about something, I can figure it out and I can sell it. And if it's going door to door Monday through Monday and it's 12 hours a day and that's what it takes to make sure my kids eat and I would go through a pair of shoes every two weeks because I'm walking so much, so be it. You know, the difference is yep. is you have people that hustle and they do it out of crooked ways and you have people that hustle, which means they're willing to do whatever it takes in order to make it work. And that's what we are is we're people that believe in the hustle. We're not hustlers. We believe in the hustle and, and doing what it takes in order to make shit happen. And that's the, the mindset different amongst a lot of people. Like you said, okay, you're not willing to show up on Saturday. Well, if you're not willing to show up on Saturday, you just told me you would do whatever it took, but now you're telling me you won't. And that's an excuse. And that's the reason why people aren't successful. You know, there's no magic potion. And that's what I'm gathering from all this. And I, w I wish we had 20 more minutes to talk about uh, more points in this book. But the fact of the matter is there's no magic potion. The only thing it's going to take is hard work. And I've said this before in other podcasts. If you want to be a shit scooper for a living, be the best shit scooper out there. Go out. Do it with pride every single day. Wake up early. Stay late and scoop shit. As long as you're the best one, it doesn't matter what it is you do. If you want to go and, and your dream job is to be – you know, a, a diesel mechanic. It doesn't matter if your parents want you to be a doctor. Be a diesel mechanic. That's what you want to do. Whatever it is that you choose to do, be passionate about it. Put 120% effort every single day, and you will be successful in your own way. Madi? Amen. I, I, I wish I could have dug deeper in this book. We're at about 35 minutes, and it's, it's a little bit longer than I'd, I'd like to go on it. But there was just so much content that you were sharing with the group and everything, and and I wanted people to hear it. So, and I, I did notice um, you sent a trophy uh, to a mutual friend, Matt Stevens. He works with you, correct, or works at the same company you do? Yes. Okay. Yes. And he was. Yeah, we work together. He's a he. You sent him a top producer award, and and I know him as a guy. He's always out there trying to do something to turn business. I think he has a very similar mindset to all of us. Um, you are available as far as being able to originate in many, many different states, including Tennessee, Kentucky, Texas. Um, let me ask you this, Medi or Medi. I don't know why I have such a hard time saying your name. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> I will get it. I promise. Uh, You're good. Let, me, good. let me ask you this, Medi. If, if I was in one of those states, how would I get in touch with you for a mortgage? Well, it definitely would be an honor. So, uh, as you mentioned, Texas, California, Florida, North Dakota, Tennessee, Kentucky, uh, and Arkansas. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, they can call me on my cell phone, 214-334-0674, or they can, uh, they can uh, send me a, a message on Facebook. I'm happy to help. And uh, I have to say something about you as well, Alex, if you allow me. Yes, sir. Um, you, I've been following you on Facebook for a long time, and obviously you own the state of Tennessee when it comes to mortgages, especially when it comes to VA loans. Uh -huh. you do, you've been doing a fantastic job. I'm a huge fan of you. Your organization, Hancock, has been doing a fantastic job. I'm good friends with, uh, with a lot of people from Chet Prior to, to uh, Johnny yeah. Uh, to uh, to uh, to Mike Fisher, to Greg, 
I mean, like, you guys are fantastic people and work for an awesome organization. Mm -hmm. So I definitely think that people also should contact you every time or any time they have uh, they, they have any questions regarding VA or, or they want to originate loans in, in Tennessee, you definitely are the, the go-to guy. And I appreciate that, and I appreciate the kind words. The great thing about this industry, and, and you and I both know this, there's plenty for both of us to stay nice and full and yep. and take care of our families. And that's the great thing about people that honestly have a true interest in growth. They don't care about the competition. They care about the abundance nope. mentality and helping people and doing what you have to do to be successful because it's not me against you. It's us against nobody. 100%. You know? So it's, it's 100%. a totally different mentality. And, and I, I enjoy and appreciate the fact that you share those kind words. Uh, you know, and that, that just goes to show another reason why um, you and I are friends and we'll, we'll remain friends. And I'm going to be actually in your area. I'm going to the boot and shoot that's taking place in Dallas um, I believe it's the third week in Dallas, so we'll definitely have to get together and grab a drink or grab some absolutely. lunch or whatever it is you want to do. Definitely, please, absolutely, please do, and maybe you can uh, bring your computer and we can hook up sometime and just share the knowledge, learn from each other. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. Alex. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I'm going to wrap this podcast up. Don't jump off the phone when we get done with this portion of it because a few words I want to share with you at the end, but. Uh, those of you that are listening, thank you so much for your support. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, this is our Friday episode. Obviously, we'll have another one that comes out Monday, Monday at 6. Be sure to tune in with that. Once again, if you need anything in those states that Medi listed, please, please, please feel free to reach out to him. I only deal with some of the top producing people out there. He clearly is one of them. So thank you so much, Medi. I'm going to go ahead and end this. Thank you for tuning in to the AJ Nashville podcast. Episodes air Mondays at 6 and Fridays at 5. Thank you for your ongoing support. Please subscribe. Today's sales leaders face a difficult task, selling the right products at the right time through the right channels. A new three-day program from Harvard Business School Executive Education addresses this problem directly. Join us on the Boston campus in August for Managing Sales Teams and Distribution Channels, where you will discover strategies that can lead to the best sales performance. Learn more by clicking the banner or visiting hbs.me sales. That's hbs.me sales.